Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. This summer, we're walking through the book of Romans, taking a master class from the rich and powerful book of the New Testament. Romans is one of the greatest books of the Bible. It is the essence of the gospel and provides the rich doctrine of our faith. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, and God has used it to change the hearts of men and ultimately the world. In Romans, we see the impact of our sin, which reveals our deep need for God, and then the importance of living out our faith in Jesus today. Whether a lifelong student of the Bible to a first-time believer, this is a masterclass for everyone. Let's listen in. All right. Well, good morning. Oh, let's try that again. All right. Good morning. All right. I just need some talk back. It just said it's personal. I, I, I need your affirmation. Uh, my name is T. Lusk, and I get to be the pastor of our Columbia campus and uh, really excited to be able to be here with you this morning. Uh, for those of you online, uh, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning, too. If you live in the Columbia area, uh, we'd love for you to jump in and, and check out our campus there. Uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 14 this morning. So if you want to go ahead and turn to that, uh, I want to start by saying uh, thank you. Uh, the last time I was with you guys on a Sunday morning was sometime in February, I think, and uh, we were at the kind of the tail end of, of signing the contracts and, and acquiring a new building, a permanent location for uh, the Columbia campus. And uh, I actually have some pictures of that. We've closed on that and we're not in it yet, but we're still, we're still working on this. this is our, our facility, that's our auditorium and some kids space in there. And I think we've got a big, yeah, so you can see kind of the, the land there. That's down in Columbia. We're super excited about what God's doing. And uh, thank you for all the ways that you gave to, that allowed us to do that. Uh, a, lot of our, a lot of what was given during Red Envelope at Christmas went towards that. And so thank you for that. Uh, but also for your prayers and your continued prayers uh, as we continue just to kind of get the, the, the Columbia campus off the ground and move into that new location. Uh, if you do live in the uh, South Spring Hill, Columbia area, I, I'm not supposed to say this. I'm not sure if Jeff's watching. Forgive me. Uh, if you live in that area and would like to come check us out, we'd love for you to come and check us out. 930 is full. Uh, so you could go down there. It's not as full and you'd make room for more people. See, that's how that works. Uh, and so, uh, I, yeah, they may have to strike that one from something. So uh, we're in the middle of a series, actually kind of the tail end of a series called Masterclass, where we're working 15 weeks through the 16 chapters of Romans. And if you've been a part of it, it's been a great series. I've had such a good time just working through this really dense book that's done so much. It's been a part of so many major moves of God throughout history. Uh, and so I know that it's been in our campus, it's been great and, and lives have been transformed formed, and I'm sure the same uh, is true here. We're at the tail end of that. As I said, next week we actually wrap up with, four, with 15 and 16. Pastor Jeff will be back here uh, to be with you guys. I'm going to be with my folks in Columbia. Uh, we'll wrap up the Masterclass series and celebrate communion together. You won't want to miss it. And then the following week we actually uh, is Move Up Sunday, which is a big day for us when all of our kiddos kind of move up a, a grade. Uh, and then that Sunday we also start a new series called God is Able, where we're going to explore a foundational passage for Rolling Hills. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21, which you're just not going to want to miss. There's so much good stuff that's coming in the next several weeks uh, at Rolling Hills, and you're going to want to, you want to be a part of all of it. This week, we're in Romans chapter 14. And as you turn there, uh, just a couple things uh, I want to kind of step back a little bit and give us just a quick overview of where we've been, right? And so if, beginning in chapter one, I'm not going to go through each chapter. Don't get nervous. Uh, but, but beginning in chapter one through eight is kind of this, the, the foundation, 
right? What Paul does in the very beginnings is he lays down the, the theological foundation of, of, of what we're working through. It's, it's really, to be honest, it's probably one of the, it, it is the, the fullest explanation of the gospel that Paul gives us in all of his letters. He writes about the gospel, he explains justification and sanctification, all those things. But in Romans, he does the fullest job of explaining those things. When he talks about justification, meaning we've been made right by God through, the, through his son, Jesus Christ. When we trust him by grace, through faith, we've been made right, justified before him. And then we're sanctified, which is the process that all believers are in but between your, your accepting Christ and the time that he takes you home is we're all in the process of sanctification, becoming what he's declared us already to be. And so that's where we find ourselves. And then, and then in chapter 9 through 11, he really, he hones in on some pretty tough topics, talking about the sovereignty of God and those things. And then talking about Israel and their role in God's unfolding plan. And Pastor Nick kind of wrapped us up with that in chapter 11 a couple weeks ago. And then we turned to chapter 12 through 16, which is really the final stretch. And what Paul does truly in all of his letters is he kind of lays out the theological foundations and gives us the, 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 the foundation for why we live the way that we live. And then at the end of his, all of his letters, he kind of works through the application, the ways that these things work out in our lives, the way that we live, the, the way that we function and, and live uh, because of the truth of what, of what God has done in us and how we live in our, in our community, in our homes, and, uh, and, and in a nation, as Pastor Chase talked about last week, under authority, and how we live among ourselves in the church. And so chapter 14 this week is what we're, we're kind of taking the turn where last week it was really outward. And again, if you, if you weren't here last week, I'd, in, I'd encourage you to go listen to Pastor Chase's sermon on chapter 13. It was fantastic. He did a fantastic job. You can find that on the Church Center app and on the website. You, I'd, I'd love for you to go grab that. Where most of that was outward and how Christians live outwardly, right? This kind of goes inward. It's really what he's talking about in chapter 14 is what does it look like? He's answering this question in this letter. And, and if you're following along on your worship guys, what do gospel transformed relationships look like inside the church? So as we work through chapter 14, that's kind of the premise. What do are, what are gospel transform, when, when our lives have been transformed by the gospel, what do the relationships inside the church look like? And so really this kind of gets the feel of a family meeting of us kind of, kind of huddling up together and talking family to family about what it looks like for us to live life together because of what Christ has done in us and what he's doing through us. And I believe that as we work through it, one of the things that we're gonna see is that through this passage is that, that the gospel brings unity even when there's great diversity. The gospel brings us unity even when there's great diversity diversity in our lives. And so let me start. We're going to read through this whole chapter and these 23 verses. And honestly, listen, I, I'm going to do a lot of talking on the other side, but these 23 verses, when we hear from God's word, this is truly the most important moment in this whole time. And so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along. If you don't, they're, they're going to be on the screen. And if you just listen, if you're listening better by looking and just not following along on something else, that do that. Because honestly, hearing from God's word is the most important thing that you could do for this morning. This is what it says. This is God's word. Romans chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. It says, Accept one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputed matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another's whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything 
must also must not treat with contempt the one who does not. The one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God accepts them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their minds. Whatever, whatever, excuse me, whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. And whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. Therefore, abstain, or excuse me, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us live for ourselves alone. None of us die for ourselves alone. We live, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And for this reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Verse 10, why then do you judge your brother and sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all will stand before God's judgment seat as it is written, surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give account for ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your minds to not put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of another brother or sister. I'm convinced being fully persuaded in the Lord that nothing is unclean in itself. But if I regard, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. If your brother and sister is in distress because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone's, excuse me, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not, do not let what you know to be good spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but a matter of righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way ple- is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. And do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is, better to eat, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that would cause a brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep it between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whatever he, but whatever, excuse me, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Let's pray together. Jesus, I have to admit that sometimes your word says things to me that I don't want to hear. Even as I read this again just now, Lord, I feel the weight of things that I don't want to admit that I'm holding on to, even though they may make somebody else fall. So Father, I pray that this morning, even though these 
truth, the truth of your word, and it's your word, it's not mine. The truth of your word would take root in our hearts and that it would grow and that we as individuals, as, as a body of believers, as a church, would be willing to follow what your word says and lay down our rights. Be careful not to put any obstacle in the way of another brother and sister and their relationship with you. Lord, we pray for, for wisdom. I pray for wisdom as we work through this passage. And God, I pray for clarity and that you would allow us to hear what you have to say. And guard us from the enemy that would distort those things. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen and amen. Again, what we're working on right now and what this passage, I believe, says is asking, the question that it's asking or answering is what does relationships, what do gospel-transformed relationships look like within the church? And again, I believe that what it tells us, what we, what we see here is that, that the gospel, these gospel-transformed relationships, this life inside the church, there's a lot of unity for the followers of Jesus Christ, even though there's a great amount of diversity. And I, we're not gonna be able to cover this whole, the, every aspect of this, and there's so much here. And so I wanna encourage you over the next several days to grab the daily steps. You can find that in the, in the Church Center app. You can probably find a copy of it outside. If you, if you haven't been working through your journal and you wanna go back to your journal, jump back in there. But I, you're gonna need some time spending time in God's word in this passage, not just this morning. You're gonna need to wrestle through this over the next several days. So I wanna encourage you, finish strong, work through that daily steps this week and, and the next several weeks as we finish up this series. But as we kind of get to this, when, we, when we're walking through this, what I want to start is kind of divide this into two places. One, the beginning is, is at talking about our reality and, and looking at some principles inside of our reality. And really by that, what I mean is, what was the reality for the Romans and how does that transition into our time today? And so in this, so just kind of our reality, the, the, the thing that we see in this passage that I think is really important, the first thing that's there for our reality is that there are differences exist in the church. I know that that's shocking for a lot of you. It's the first time you've ever heard that, right? This, the, the, that, that's, that's news, new news for you. But the reality is that that's, that's, a, that's something that we have to grasp. There's differences in the, in, the, in the rows that you're sitting in right now, in the circles that you gather in community groups in the fall and the spring. As we, as we do things together, there's differences within the church. And we know what it looks like to live in places where there's differences. Right? We know what it looks like to live in a, in a, in a place, in a time. I mean, just putting aside just our current culture, which is honestly not new either in, in the political world, but just living in Middle Tennessee. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but there's a lot of us that didn't come from Middle Tennessee. I got in. Thank you for letting me in. I appreciate it, right? I'm, I've all told all my friends in Baton Rouge that there's no more room, so they're staying put. But the, but the reality is that there's a lot. I mean, we're a melting pot right now of people from all different walks of life and all different places. They have different thoughts on how life should work. And, and, and they, sometimes they, have, they, they love everything about Middle Tennessee and sometimes they don't. But we have lots of different rea realities and thoughts and, and, and preferences that exist in Middle Tennessee. We know what that looks like. And inside the church, it's no different. There's lots of different ideas of the ways that things should work. Preferences that we have, differences in opinions that we have. 
Let me just look at the people that follow Jesus, right? Jesus calls these disciples, and of the 12, we don't know what all of them did, but we do know some of what these men did before they followed Jesus as, as disciples and what they more than likely did afterwards to some extent. We know that four of them were fishermen. We know that one of them was a tax collector. And Simon the Zealot, which is not a profession, but, but just a, he, he was more than likely active in some kind of trying to overthrow the Roman government as a zealot. I mean, could you imagine more different personalities inside of one group of 12 guys? Now, we're not talking about 900 of you. We're talking about 12 that have very different backgrounds. And outside of that, there's others that follow Jesus. We know that the ladies and others that follow Jesus, and in part, they're from different socioeconomic strata. They're different, different backgrounds and places and had different experiences. So we know that the followers of Jesus there in the very beginning and then right after the the Pentecost and as the church grows, as it moves from Jerusalem to Judea to to the ends of the earth, to Samaria to the ends of the earth, there's God transforms the lives of so many people. And there's in these churches as they're birthed all over the place, there are people that have lots of different opinions and lots of different ideas on the ways that life works. There's differences in the church. It's not new. And I I would say that not only is it not new, but it's beautiful. It's what makes this beautiful. This mosaic of God's people that can gather together, even though we have so many differences among us, the core of what keeps us bound is beautiful. We're going to get a little bit more into that in just a minute. The second principle that that I, I think is important for us, that not only is there differences in the church, but there's a difference between disputable and indisputable. There's a difference between the disputable and the indisputable. And this is where it's gonna get a little thick for us. I think, I think it's gonna kind of get in, the, in some of our backyards over the next little bit. But, but the reality is that, that we know this in theory. We know that there's a difference between what is disputed and what is indisputable. And by that, I mean like essential and non-essential. What is, what is principle and what is foundational and what is maybe a preference. Right, to, to, just to give an example, in my home, there are some things that are foundational. There are things that are, that are foundational to being a lusk, to being uh, an individual that operates inside of the bounds of this place, not just the bricks, but just being a part of my house. Let me I'll read you a couple that, that I just kind of wrote down for us. If, if you open it, you close it. These are very simple. <laughs> if you drop it, you pick it up. If you're wrong, own it apologize and move on. Now, there's a caveat on that because if you're my wife, you're never wrong and uh, I'm sorry for bringing it up. And she's not watching right now, so I can say. Because <laughs> being right, being, having peace is better than being right, isn't it? If you take it out, you put it up. If you turn it on, you turn it off. And we don't get these really good. If you, if you, if you make a mess, you clean it up. If we really struggle with this one. If it's not yours, leave it alone. And this last one is just very serious. If you cheer for Bama, you got to find a new house. And there, I mean, there's just things. There's things that you have to draw a line on. Amen, right? Amen. I'm totally fine if you're from, if you're a Baya. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Whatever. I'm so happy if you're mad at me right now. <laughs> there's a reality. There's, there's, there's things about being a part of our family that are, that are essential. And I joke on some of these, but there, there are parts about being a lusk, about being us and that, that are indisputable. They're principle. They're essential to being a part of my house. 
And inside the church, and, and we have those things as well. Like I know that you have those in your own home. I'm sure that there's things that you just say that this is who we are and this is what we do. And inside of the church, we have those things as well, that they're principle, they're, they're essential. And, and if you haven't gone through uh, the Explore Rolling Hills class to just kind of figure out what it means to be a partner here, I'd encourage you to do that because there we list some of those things that are essential for us to be a church, to be God's people. And we find them on the website as well, a couple of them this, that what we believe about God, that we agree on what we believe about God, what we believe about the Bible, that it is God's word, what we believe about Jesus, that he's the second part of the Trinity, that he's our salvation, our only hope, what we believe about man, that, that we were created in God's image and that we fell and that we're in need of salvation and that our only hope is Jesus. What we believe about salvation and baptism, what we believe about Holy, the Holy Spirit and his work in us and through us, what we believe about eternal security and marriage, all of those things are all online. You can find them uh, on, on the website, but you can also go to the Rolling Hills, Explore Rolling Hills class and learn more about what we believe in those things. But inside of that, like those are the essential things, things that we would say, this is essential for you to be a part of what God's doing here. At the same time, there's a lot of things that are not essential. There's a lot of things that aren't essential to being a part of Rolling Hills. There's a lot of things that we have different opinions on inside of this body right now. Let me just give you a couple of examples. Entertainment. In this room, we have a vast array of, of, of positions on entertainment. The movies we watch, the TV shows that we watch. Some of you have never seen a rated R show. Some of you, except for the passion, that's okay, right? Some of you, that's not a big deal to you. Some of you will watch whatever's on television. I'd say be careful a little bit what you're consuming. But some of you won't even touch some things that are on television. There's differences of opinions. There's a difference of opinion in music. This is embarrassing for me to say, but when I was in high school, latter, latter parts of the year when I had a car, right? And, and, and I had a stereo in my room. You remember stereos? Like those things, it was big. And I had a receiver and had a, like a five disc CD changer. It was all separate things. And then I had speakers. It was awesome. It was awesome. But the presets on the stereo in my room and in my car, it's embarrassing, were all tuned to the Christian station. I wouldn't listen to anything else that people knew about in, in those places. Sometimes I slid Tupac in, but there, most of the time it was just the Christian stations. And at that time, if you asked me what, I, what music I liked, I would say anything but country. I can't say that now. It's like I feel like I'm going to get shot down. God has rescued me from that. I like country music now. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Don't get mad. But mostly I just listen to talk radio because I'm old. But the music, we have different opinions on what we listen to, on the music that we consume. We have different opinions on diet. Some of you have very clear ideas of what it means to, to, to eat healthy, and you almost raise that, that idea to a level of prim primary versus secondary. That if somebody eats outside of that, then maybe they're not as good as you. On the flip side, some of you have no problems about what you eat and you judge the other people. 
Some of you are Whole30, some of you are a whole carton of ice cream. I'm on this side. We have differences of opinion on those things. Some of you believe that God's word says godliness or cleanliness is next to godliness, but it doesn't. But you have ascribed this place where life exists. The be- you are more godly because you are clean and ordered and straight. But that's, God's word doesn't tell us that. We have different opinions on voting. We have different opinions on finances and how we spend money, how we save. We have different opinions on drinking and on tobacco use. We have different opinions in this room on raising our kids. And this can be nuclear, right? On schools that you send your kids to. We have different opinion on dating. We have different opinion on dancing. This is probably an older one, but I, I'm just, I needed to leave it in here because I need to tell you some of you that you don't need to. It's not a matter of, pre- you just don't need to. It's not good for you to dance. It's offensive. We have different opinions on these things. They're not essential. We have these, we, and we go through these lists and there's so many more. And what I hope that you, what you hear, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that you sense that there's, there's a reality that we, we elevate some of our positions, our convictions, or our thoughts on things to places that they don't belong. That the essential move, the, the things that are, that are non-essential move into primary and things get, things get a little, a little sideways in that place. The third thing, the difference, there's a difference between the disputed, excuse me, differences between disputed, I can't read. Differences between the disputable should not become divisions among Christians. The differences between those things that are disputable, things that are non-essential, things that are not primary, can't become issues of division among Christians. That what this passage tells us, what, what we're working through in this passage is that, that, listen, that there are things that we may disagree on, but we can't raise them to the level of primacy, or le- level of, of, of essential, where we disagree to the point where we break fellowship. They can't become division. Because that's, that's not what God is about in the body of Christ. That that's not who he's made us, but the reality, even though we know those things, we know those things, we know that reality, we know that it's a reality. It seems silly to even say that these disputable things should not become division. Sometimes we're not willing to actually walk that out. And I know places and friends of mine and places that I've been in church that have had full on splits because of very disputable matters some that you would think were silly, like the color of walls in a building, full-on church splits. That's not an essential thing. So we have to, we have to make sure that our reality is that differences on the disputable things should not become divisions for Christians. And then moving on from there, so what do we do with this reality that, that there are things that we differ on, but, but in those places, they don't become divisions. What, what, what's our response to those things? And there's three things I want to I work through there. The first one is that we've, we need to remember. How, what is our response? We have to remember that we've been rescued. 
I think, you know, like I could tell you all kinds of different reasons why you shouldn't do this, but I, I think it goes back to this. It goes back to the fact that you have been rescued by Jesus, not based on your opinions or your positions on certain things that are preferences. And you go back to this passage, verse seven, uh, verse seven says, for none of us live for ourselves alone. Right? We, don't, we no longer live for ourselves. None of us live for ourselves. None of us die for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Right? Our lives now belong to the Lord. That's what it says. That whoever, excuse me, whoever lives or dies, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. That I belong to Jesus and that my belonging to Jesus has nothing to do with my opinions on certain periphery ideas that I belong to Jesus because of by grace through faith, he rescued me when I was a sinner running away from him. I didn't bring before the Lord my resume of opinions on theological and cultural issues and say, God, would you accept me because I believe these things and that person believes something else. That's not the reason I've been rescued. I've been rescued because by grace, when I did not deserve it, it's what grace is when I was running away from him, in his mercy and love, he rescued me. And so now I belong to him. And here's something, we're gonna sing this song here in just a second. Not only do I belong to him, but so do you. And so if I belong to him, if he's rescued me and he's rescued you, that we have something in common, even though we have lots of other things that may make us different that I had nothing to bring to the table and neither did you. And we are, we are 100% foundationally trusting in God's grace, not what we could do, not what we believe, not the, not the, the depths of our belief, not our knowledge, none of those things. It's only in what Christ did for us. We have to remember, we have got to go back to those things and remind ourselves that we belong to him, that, that we are his. The problem is that we forget that we've been rescued and that it was completely by grace. And then I look at somebody else and the way that they live and I think there's no way that, they, that, that we can agree on these things even though that they were rescued by the same grace that I was rescued. The second thing is this, that we have to fight. We have to fight to keep the indisputable primary and the disputable secondary. The problem is that so, so often our passions or, our, or, or for our preferences become primary and we get distracted from what's truly important. And that's where these divisions begin to form. And so we have to fight to keep the indisputable primary and the disputable secondary. We gotta to learn to, to put these things in the right spot. And, and, and there, there's a 17th century theologian and I'm gonna mess his name up, but it's, it's something along the lines of Rupertus Millenius. And you're not reading it, so you don't know how bad I butchered that. <laughs> he sounds smart. This is what he says. It's something that you've probably heard before. In the essentials, unity. Non-essentials, liberty and in all things, charity. In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity, meaning grace. 
We, there are things that we divide on. We, there's things that we don't have the same opinions on, but we've got to make sure that we keep the primary things primary and the secondary things secondary. And it's a fight because it's a dying to ourselves. I do everything that I can in my life to put my positions and my thoughts in, the pla- in, in, in places of primary importance. There are times that I have to realize that my desire for something, my desire for the freedom that I have in Christ sometimes trumps the reality of what Christ, it it, it moves into this place of primary, it becomes an idol that I wanna exercise my freedom even though in that freedom, I'm pushing against you in ways that's pushing you away from Christ. So fighting, it's a fight because I have to say, I'm going to lay down my life, I'm gonna lay down my rights And I know, listen, we live in America. It's hard for us to say that. It's hard for me to say in this room, lay down your rights. Because a lot of us hear that through through a different lens, right? But that's what scripture tells us to lay down ourselves, to say, to do what Jesus did and lay down our rights. He had rights to do anything he wanted. He laid that down to rescue you and me. So we lay down those things. We have to fight and put the, those things aside, make every effort. Listen to what we have to, we do, we make, we make sure we fight to keep primary things primary and secondary things secondary because we recognize what's at stake. Listen to verse 20, 19 and 20. We just read this. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. That sounds like energy, fighting. Make every effort. In verse 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. It's a sobering reality, strong words for our faith that I can destroy the work of God in somebody else's life because of my preferences. Because of what I've moved into a primary position that's not primary. I'm gonna make somebody mad. The reality is that some of us, I've been in this camp, we have looked at other sides of the line, especially when it comes to voting. We've raised our position in politics to a primary status to where if somebody votes differently than me, then I can't believe that they are actually followers of Christ. And that is by definition anti what the gospel says. Now I know, listen, I know some of you, you we're gonna talk after this, you're gonna be mad at me, I get it. Been there, my parents are watching, they're probably going to be mad at me too. But if you think that you are right because of the way that you vote, then you've put your salvation and your standing with God based on something you do and not what Christ did and that's wrong. No, don't die. No, 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 we're good. And I'd love to talk to you about it later. I wasn't planning on saying that, but I feel like I, I needed to in this moment. Because the third thing is this, that we need to remember that relationships matter more than rights. And there's twofold, this relationship, vertical and horizontal, that my relationship with the Lord and your relationship with the Lord matters more than my rights. You walking with Christ matters more than my rights. 
And if I have an opinion on something that gets in the way of your relationship with God, then I've got to be the, 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 the one that's strong in faith, according to this passage, to lay that down so that your relationship with Christ can grow, so that no stumbling block happens. I want to do everything that I can to keep a stumbling block from your relationship with Jesus. And I want to do anything that I can to keep a stumbling block from our relationship on secondary matters. I have friends, guys that I hang out with on a regular basis. One family, uh, one family they, they've chosen because of some convictions that they have that they don't eat pork. The other guy in this really, in, in, our, in our, our circle, his favorite food is hot dogs. Now on paper, these guys should not get along if secondary issues become primary. But we vacation together, we hang out together because secondary issues aren't primary. That's a, maybe a funny, I, I thought it was funnier than your response, but <laughs> anyway. Because secondary issues don't become primary in those relationships. They know what's primary and these secondary things, hey, this is my convictions and I'm gonna live out of my convictions, but I'm gonna love out of grace. And even though we disagree on these things that I may think are important, and maybe they are sometimes important, they're not the most important. And so I'm gonna trust that, that you're walking with Jesus and I'm walking with Jesus, and these differences of opinion are not going to separate us. In fact, they're gonna be the beautiful picture of what it looks like to live, a rela- live in relationship with Jesus. Gospel transformed relationships inside the church. The last thing is this, the divisions on, disputed, on, on the disputed become distractions that take our focus off the greatness and the mission of the gospel. And this is what I mean here, because I believe that one of the most beautiful things that can happen in a church, in gospel transformed relations within, relationships within the church, is that people who have starkly different ideas on things that are secondary matters can live life together. And in doing so, we put on display the greatest picture of what the gospel does for us. That he brings us together in unity. That there is so much more that that keeps us together than what divides us. The things that do keep us together are way more important than the things that divide us. And I can tell you that in the early church, one of the things that really attracted people from the outside, people that had not yet trusted Christ for salvation, what attracted them was seeing these people from vastly different places in life, different backgrounds and economic status and and all of these different things. One of the things that made it so attractive was watching these people live life together, even though there were so many things that on paper should separate them. And what a beautiful picture What a reality for us, especially in the season that we're in right now in our our culture. What a beautiful thing it would be for our culture, for our community to look in at Rolling Hills and all of our campuses and see people who for every other reason should not be hanging out except for Jesus. That the essential things keep us together. And we don't let the non-essentials pull us apart. I believe that what our community, our culture needs the most right now is Christians who live out this calling to lay aside 
those things. I'm not talking about losing your convictions. I'm not talking about not, no longer living by your convictions, but laying aside those things for what's essential. What would it look like for your neighbors to come here and see people from all kinds of different places and backgrounds say something's up there because there's no reason for these people to hang out together. But we know there is, and his name is Jesus. He's what unites us. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna sing a song that just celebrates his goodness And the line in the song is that he's running after me. And I want you to sing that song, that that line, but I want you to hear also at the same time, the fact that he ran after those who are sitting next to you as well. That he pursued them the same way he pursued you. And he loves you and he loves them the same. And it's not because of what you've done or haven't done, what you, what, what, non-essential you stand on or don't stand on. He loves you because he laid down his life to rescue you. So let me pray and then we're gonna sing this song together. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you loved us first and best and always, that you pursued us and that it had nothing to do with us. It had everything to do with you. And so Father, we pray that we would hold tightly to those things that are essential, that we would hold so tightly to those things that are essential. We would be steadfast and true in a culture that needs that. That we would be kind and gracious on those things that are non-essential and that the world around us, our culture and our community would see it and they would be drawn to you in the beautiful tapestry, this beautiful mosaic of your people gathered together under your name. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with friends and family in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.